Lower and Mac are on first and then Josh comes on. But uh, it's just funny. Like, you know, Mac, he's, he's such a wonderful character. Mm. He came on and his hair is amazing. He's got like long hair, kind of, you know, not shaven. I was like in my head thinking, kind of reminds me of Tom Hanks on Castaway. <laughs> this is The Front Row, brought to you by The 42 in partnership with Guinness. Hello and you're very welcome to The Front Row, the 42's brand new rugby podcast made in partnership with Guinness. I'm Sean Burke, host of the show and rugby wimp. Joining me as always is The 42's very own Murray Kinsler, a man so popular in Scotland they named the stadium after him. <laughs> Good to have you here, Murray. Was it late one last night? Yeah, it was a weird and wonderful day of Guinness Six Nations rugby. I have to say, hard, heartwarming to see Italy winning for the first time in a long, long time since 2015, ending their losing streak. And then just a weird evening in, in the Aviva Stadium. Ireland got their part of the job done and then you're waiting to find out if England could do them a favour. It was a strange scenario for Ireland players and, and fans alike supporting England. Um, yeah, that was a very odd feeling. Such a 180 after last week going from we have to beat England to please win England. It was an odd feeling. And the players, as you say, themselves were supporting them. As we saw on the Potholes and Penguins Instagram, uh, there's a video of the Irish team uh, singing a very familiar song that you wouldn't normally associate with them. So yeah, that's a bit of a fever dream moment. Didn't think I'd ever hear that out of the Irish team. Yeah, you gotta love it. I suppose that was the scenario they were in. It'll probably never happen again. How was your experience of watching three matches in one day? It was actually a brilliant day, I have to say. I sat down um, before the Wales-Italy game and didn't move for about 12 hours. (laughs) And... I mean, it was just, and every game had something to it as well. And right from the off, it was great rooting for the Italians. What was it, 35, 36 game losing streak? I think they're on. To see them win it, you know, when Carbisi put that over or put that between the sticks to win the game and end it as well, their reaction was something else. He yeah. just fell to the floor, like bawling his eyes out. But that's what it's all about. It was magical. And what a try by um, by the Italians to win it. Like Capozzo is obviously the young superstar to break out. 22-year-old, he's come out of nowhere really playing in a, in a second tier in France. But brilliant break by him and, and puts that inside pass to Padovani to score. And then the lovely moment after the game where Josh Adams mm-hmm. comes over and gives him the player the, the match medal was really classy. You could see how much it meant to him. And those emotions were, were just lovely to see. The day starts kind of there and it ends actually with more emotion on the pitch in, in the Aviva uh, where all the players' families were on the pitch, Mm. all the kids were running on, loving being there with their dads and and celebrating. And it was a really nice moment. And then you think there's going to be a magical twist for for Ireland at the end of it. When Freddie Stewart scores that try for England, you think maybe, just maybe. But in fairness to France, they steadied themselves. Dupont comes up with a score and they're deserved Grand Slam champs. Yeah, they showed their quality in the end. And you mentioned Capuzzo as well. It's just nice for me to see somebody that reflects my body image on a rugby (laughs) pitch for the first time, you know. Uh, It's nice to see yourself represented. Uh, and I should say, we are missing Emer Considine this week, but yeah. I think she has something something more important mm, to be busy, doing. I, think, yeah. I don't know, rather than talking about rugby, she might actually be playing rugby, fair enough, each to their own. Uh, but we will be joined by Sene Nayupu, Irish rugby legend, later on in the show. And we're very much looking forward to that. Um, but I mean, first things first, let's get into Ireland. I mean, what did you take from that yesterday? I mean, what do you think? Yeah, we didn't win 
this the Guinness Six Nations, but we have won uh, a triple crown. That sounds pretty good to me. It's a good championship for Ireland. Four wins out of five, four bonus points. Winning away in Twickenham for the first time since 2018. Running France close in the second half, even in, in defeat there. There's loads of positive stuff. A bit of silverware for the first time under Andy Farrell. And loads of scope for improvement as well is, is the exciting thing about it even yesterday they got a bonus point in the end they made people wait for it and it was a dramatic moment late on with James Lowe's lovely offload to, to Conor Murray to, to grab the bonus point but they toiled at times and struggled at times to, to get there and um, putting the ball down again a couple of handling errors again frustrations in that department but at the same time you look at the, the results they're, they're churning out now and it's a really positive backing up of what they did in November tests where they played brilliant rugby probably a little bit more expansive and exciting um, and accurate at times but it was always going to be a test with teams having seen what they could do scouted them and and, and adjusted their defence so they're definitely tracking in the right direction and it's just thrilling to think where they can go and probably in a, a good sense they haven't peaked too early this time yeah yeah I think so we're timing it nicely and and like the Scottish didn't make it easy for us they really didn't and there were some pivotal moments in the game Hugo Keenan's tackle on Stuart Hogg one moment in particular that stands out to me yeah, it was an extraordinary Hugo Keenan moment. It was so typical of him. He just did brilliantly to stop Stuart, Stuart Hogg scoring. And we're going to hear from Andy Farrell now just speaking about how important that moment was. You know when things are going to go your way, when um, you've got players like that pulling special moments out of the bag. I think if you look at the second half, um, those special players lift, it, lift everyone. But just in general, I suppose the whole team lifted each other. And I suppose it's... it's it's parts of the game that you guys probably won't judge as much as us, but we was we was unbelievable um, uh, defending our own line in that second half. He sounds very pleased with his players. Yeah, some really good defensive moments of, of great, and that was key to it. The other side of it is that Stuart Hogg absolutely butchered a definite try there. There were three men inside him after the ball kind of fortuitously bounces up, and he just had to give the pass. I mean, mm. I mean, it looked greedy, to be honest, the way he went for the corner when he could have given that inside pass. Worst case scenario, Hugo Keenan has to slap the ball down and, and maybe a penalty try. And even after the match, he was actually pretty spiky afterwards. Stuart Hogg kind of trying to justify the moment, and... He was kind of snapping back at the Scottish journalists for asking kind of negatively slanted questions, but they did just lose with a bonus point to, to Ireland away, and it's not a great championship for them. They had the, I suppose, disciplinary thing the, the week before as well, so not a great day for Scotland in the end. No, no. Uh, he just, he got greedy. He got greedy. What can you say? Um, but it was another game where there was another standout player that people were talking about, uh, Dan Sheehan in particular. What was it about his play that was so good this week? He's so dynamic. He was top ball carrier at 15 carries. And even if you look at the Keen Healy try, it's a great example of it. They have a maul. He breaks off it and gets in field. He doesn't go forward too much, but he bounces off a defender. Two phases later, he carries the ball again. He's really dynamic going forward over the gain line. And then when Healy scores, he's actually one of the guys like latching on, kind of gripping onto him and driving him over the try line. It was a really high involvement passage for him. He obviously took his own try very well. He's powerful off the, the back of that maul and he went through two defenders in that instance. He's got great kind of change up as in when he's approaching the defender he can accelerate sidestep just throw a, a kind of change a picture at them really late on so it's tough to defend against and he's such a, a brilliant athlete as well both sides of the ball and as we're going to hear from Johnny Sexton now he's made a real positive impression in an area that wasn't always a, a strength in, in terms of the depth for Ireland very very impressed like to, to produce a performance like that it was probably what what's his first final really you know when there's something on the line trophy on the line um to have a performance like that is incredible um you know there was one phase of play he was just 
everywhere um, and uh, yeah it was outstanding at set piece um, you know and we were, were blessed to have him uh, Ronan Keller and and, and squish Rob Herring as well what I love and what really excites me about this Guinness Six Nations is that every match we seem to be talking about another new Irish player who was really impressing. And what does, obviously there's a lot of new talent come through. What does winning a Triple Crown do for a team like that? It's our first in four years, I believe. What does mm. that add to their experience? Yeah, they haven't been too common Triple Crowns. It really kind of legitimizes their progress that we've discussed about on this pod mm -hmm. the, the last few weeks and signs that they've improved on the pitch the new identity the new style of attack that defensive grit that Andy Farrell spoke about earlier on it's just nice to have something really tangible there and to have delivered on the kind of pressure of what Sexton referred to as being a kind of final occasion it wasn't exactly that but there was a bit of pressure there with the home crowd um, and it just adds to the sense that they're they're progressing and moving forward for the players it was really nice like again a strange one for them because they couldn't fully unleash their celebrations they're waiting to find out what happens in Paris but they definitely enjoyed that moment and it teased them up really nicely for some of the challenges that we're going to discuss later on that, that they have ahead of them. As well as that, it, it probably shows that Ireland have answered the questions that many people, myself included, I'll be honest, had about them only a, a couple of years ago um, when things weren't going well. We couldn't really see the, the style of play. And as we hear from Johnny Sexton here, they've turned that around completely. It's a very tight bunch. You know, we've uh, we, we've come from some low times. You know, you got to remember, like we, it was only a couple of years ago, we were being written off. You know, the coaches being written off, the captain was being written off, the, the team was being written off, wrong man, you know, everything. So, you know, it's pretty pretty fickle sport, isn't it? Um, you know, so we, we will keep our feet grounded because we know how fickle it is. And uh, But like I said, I'm, I'm just proud of this, to be a part of this group. And, and um, yeah, it's a very special atmosphere in there. He sounds quite relaxed and laid back in his interview questions now. I don't know, is it just because he was in a good mood because we won the Triple Crown or is it just because he's more experienced and a bit older now? You would know from personal experience. Yeah, there's a bit of all that, but there's also the environment that he's in and it is a more relaxed, positive, uh, happy camp. Happy maybe the wrong word. It's different to what it was like before under Joe Schmidt. Andy Farrell has really pushed players having ownership of it, the slightly more relaxed approach off the pitch. And, and you're seeing it with all the players, even someone like Peter Romani, who is who can be gruff or has been gruff maybe in, in press dealings before. He's had that kind of change in demeanour as well as, as Johnny. But as he, as he kind of alluded to there, there's still points to prove all the time. With, with things that are said in the media um, but it does feel like um, he is kind of symbolic of the, the happiness in the camp and, and how at ease they are with each other mm -hmm. yeah a happy camper that's what we want nice big smiley face leading the team uh, well after a punishing Guinness Six Nations and still another three months of club rugby to come I'm glad it's going to be a nice easy summer for these players uh, time to recuperate with a summer tour to New Zealand <laughs> uh, which is uh, involving quite a bit of uh, physical exercise, I imagine. Why would they do that at that time when they're supposed to be chilling out? Is that, you know, is it <laughs> worth it? Yeah, this is a massive part of the journey for them. This is one of the next steps now is going down to New Zealand, three test tours, obviously the most difficult tour you can do uh, historically they're thrown in two extra games for good measure probably against the Maori All Blacks in midweek so they're bringing a bigger squad of around 40-42 players which means 
opportunities for guys that we didn't even see in this in this skin of Six Nations. Gavin Coons, Robert Balakoon, players who've been brilliant for their provinces but just couldn't muscle their way into the match day 23. They'll get opportunities in New Zealand, a couple of others. And, uh, you know, even yesterday they were speaking about a couple of bolters. So you, you'll see people put their hand up as well as the team just being exposed to another different kind of pressure. Like they beat New Zealand last November in Dublin. They've had wins against New Zealand Dublin but they haven't done it down there on Kiwi soil with a really... A motivated All Blacks team uh, out to prove a point and answer a few questions about themselves as well like they haven't been in the best place and, and looking to World Cup there wouldn't be huge confidence there at the at the moment but a three test tour could completely change that so it's a, a riveting challenge for Ireland cannot wait to get stuck into it and absolutely there'll be guys dreaming of a holiday after that but that is where you want to be if you're an Irish rugby player yeah, if I find myself in New Zealand, I want to be on a Lord of the Rings tour. You know, <laughs> I don't want to be getting battered by some New Zealand All Blacks. Uh, well, good luck to them uh, with that. All right, we'll be back after this brief intermission. Stay tuned. We're going to be chatting to a legend of Irish rugby, Sene Naupu, and Murray is going to be picking his team of the Guinness Six Nations. This is The Front Row, brought to you by The 42 in partnership with Guinness. Welcome back, folks, and I'm very pleased to say we are joined by Ireland Rugby International, Sene Nayopu. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me, Lens. It's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. It's great to have you on the team. Uh, it was a very memorable final day of the Guinness Six Nations. Where were you on the last day? Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Like the round, the final round of the Guinness Six Nations was uh, a showstopper for all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in the Aviva, yeah. I was in the Vodafone uh, Box Blue were due to go on stage and there was like 15 minutes left of that Italian match and we were like Donica and uh, and Trimby were, and myself were thinking we cannot stop this game <laughs> no. right now because we could hear the noise of of um, of the crew there so it was actually we, we decided to leave the game on yeah. for everyone to watch and, uh, and then we heard everyone cheering everyone was sort of off their feet I'm pretty sure there was no one Italian in the room but um, everyone was <laughs> super happy so we went onto the stage at the right time and uh, yeah. it was it was good so I was at the Aviva oh brilliant right at yeah. the heart of it did you get to chat to any of the players yesterday um, yeah we did we did actually really really fortunate to um, speak after the match with uh, Josh mm. uh, we had Lowy on there and we had uh, the return of the Mac um, <laughs> it was actually brilliant because uh, I'm not sure if you've seen mm-hmm. uh, when you're on the Vodafone stage so you have the lads on their screens they have their individual screen because they're in their changing rooms and Lowy and Mac are on first and then Josh comes on but uh, it's just funny like you know Mac he's, he's such a wonderful character mm. He came on and his hair is amazing. He's got like long hair, kind of, you know, not shaven. I was like in my head thinking, it kind of reminds me of Tom Hanks on Castaway. <laughs> what was your sense of how they felt about the achievement, like a first Triple Crown since 2018? Well, Trumby had to ask Mac if he knew what a Triple Crown was. <laughs> and then I said, no, the, the, the one you had to learn is uh, the Grand Slam next year. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was uh, it was a good sense of relief, mm. I think. I think... Um, like uh, they're in great form, obviously, and the Triple Crown was a wonderful thing to win mm-hmm. at a stage where, you know, let's be honest, France are on fire at the moment. Mm-hmm. They sort of they are on fire, and for at this stage of that kind of World Cup preparation, sure. I think Ireland are in a good place. Yeah, yeah, you've been impressed by their performance in the Guinness Six Nations. Yeah, I think to have a, a breakdown of less than three seconds, the fastest breakdown of all the teams in one of the best regional competitions in the world mm-hmm. is some is some feat. Because you, you guys know yourself, you win the breakdown and you can execute, you win the game mm-hmm. on both sides of the ball. Mm-hmm. And that means that they're executing 
basic things like you know jam at nine has been outstanding i think he's been outstanding in his delivery and just the way he scans before he gets the ball and the guys know they have to be on and yeah. everyone's an option and uh to get that ball away from that breakdown and the the cleaners that even the the work of the ball carrier where jam's putting the ball into space so that you know the ball mm. carrier has the options they can keep their head up the accuracy of that i think is has kind of contributed to the fact that that stat is pretty impressive globally, let alone just in, on the side of the world. Yeah, I guess the focus now for everyone is really how is this team looking ahead of the World Cup next year? What do you think are, are their strengths and what do you think are their weaknesses looking ahead to that? We've got some of the best fetches in the game. We've got some of the best back growers in the game. Mm. And I think um, obviously in the front row as well, second row weight in, in the pack and our set piece execution has been pretty strong. Mm -hmm. um, and then obviously probably one of the best drivers of the game uh and and joey as a replacement team we've got carty as well there um ready to kind of fill fill those boots when they're needed but uh in the centers as well there's the experience i think the partnerships worked really well and that bench yesterday you know to have someone like henshaw mm. um the competition of the centers as well back three was on fire i think throughout the units throughout the whole um 15s is strengths across mm. all the units i thought i thought keenan was outstanding last, last yesterday as well mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah i suppose the, if you're looking for potential weaknesses and, and ireland will always be picking away at it and thinking how can we be better what's the next step it's building a bit of that depth we spoke about the tour to mm. new zealand find out a bit more about the, the props behind furlong and, and porter of course maybe see another loose head come into the mix someone like josh wisherly or, or one of the guys who's been in and out of the environment hopefully tom o'toole can stay fit and, and be part of that tour get a couple of minutes behind tyke furlong but you're right they're tracking in a really good direction and you speak about the main man johnny sexton asked him about how, how they're progressing and and how he feels they're developing towards the World Cup and he sounds really positive. Well, we've got great potential, don't we? Um, that's that's what we have at the moment, but we've got to make it reality and we've got to keep building over the next, whatever it is, 18 months to, to make sure that when, yeah, when it does come around. But if, you, you know, we, we've taken a slightly different approach We've started talking about it already, that that's the, this is the journey, uh, which is a different approach to the previous management that, that I've worked under which is I think I think this is the right way to do it um, and uh, we're confident in the in the journey that we're on that's all we can but at the moment there's only an opportunity we need to to keep developing you know we had some young guys in during the week that were incredibly impressive we've had some young guys in throughout the last year that have been incredibly impressive and they, we need to bring them up to speed and make sure that they're ready you know in 18 months time we'll get a, a few bolters I think and uh, guys that will make a huge difference and that's that, that's what we need over the next 18 months we need to make the squad stronger and, and better he talks about taking a different approach uh from the last world cup and the last regime what exactly is he talking about there what exactly is going to be different this time there's a number of differences foremost that they've actually discussed and openly talked about the World Cup in public a longer way out that's mm -hmm. not been the case at all it certainly wasn't the case under Joe Schmidt they're attempting to take a bit of the pressure and the tension out of it I think by just addressing it and, and facing up to it and, and actually having it as one of their ambitions to be successful to break that glass ceiling of a quarter final and that 
alludes to what we spoke about earlier on in terms of a more relaxed environment that Andy Farrell has created. Like he's a very different character to Joe Smith. Joe Schmidt, he's he's more kind of jovial, I suppose. He shows more of his personality to players. This is a fellow who loves Oasis and Man City, mm-hmm. and he's more than happy to discuss those things and and be, I suppose, a, almost a friend figure with players. And that's how he kind of earned a lot of their re- respect. Um, even the style of play is is so different. You know, before it was much more prescribed and really thoroughly successful. It was really detailed in every aspect of the game. There's still elements of that. They have structures and shapes and starter plays off off lineouts and scrums, but there's a lot more decision making responsibility on the players. You mentioned James Gibson Park, like he's given the autonomy to get his head up make a decision Johnny Sexton obviously is really comfortable doing that but you're seeing other guys like Hugo Keenan Gary Ringrose Bundyaki developing those sides of the games that weren't really apparent before and you wondered if they had those elements to the game but they clearly and patently do the forwards as well are passing the ball a hell of a lot more and just making those decisions as well so there's differences in terms of the culture the attitude approach the probably sense of being a little bit more relaxed and not building the World Cup into this burden that mm-hmm. it has been it was that in 2019 everyone got so tense and it was almost over before it started and I think that's a more positive approach is just addressing it head on mm-hmm. I um, echo exactly what you're saying and I might add to it so I, I think it's also within within the last sort of I suppose 18 months it's also a testament to the pathway and the coaches from the school level up because the level of skill at that level you know at the international level obviously needs a bit of you know repetition so throughout the domestic competitions that the provinces are playing and doing so well um and then through the school age group and there is certainly a um, a noticeable difference in the coaching style and what mm-hmm. the content of the coaching programs are at the moment which is literally on the short passes and you know you mentioned the opportunities for the guys to have options i think that was a key thing for our attack that we just have options everyone's in the right place done the right the depth management i've been really impressed depth management gives makes it easier for when you're taking the ball to the line for you to see and also for that short line runner to hold the D. So it's quite hard defensively to know which man to take because when you're doing the short line, you've got to start a step to check both both guys. Mm-hmm. But in terms of that sort of skill level, under pressure at that pace, and with rules like your 50-22, so, you know, with the 50-22, it's a, it's a law where if you kick it from within your own 50 metres and you kick it out, not on the full, then you get the ball back and, mm. and then, uh, for a line up. Um, so in terms of that, the point of that law was to prevent too much collision. And because of that, it's also encouraged teams and coaches to really practice mm-hmm. the ball skills. The next challenge is where it goes next. Like Because in 2018, obviously everything was rosy. Probably Ireland peaked a little bit too soon that time around, that cycle. It's really promising that there's so much scope for improvement in it. Look at the Scotland game. They left so much out there in terms of drop ball, maybe a couple of poor decisions. But I love the fact that the players are being encouraged to play that side of rugby where mistakes are going to be part of it. When you're taking a bit more risk, when you're giving players that responsibility, it's never going to be perfect. But this identity of this Ireland team is to to always go at it, not just wait for it to happen or not hope that this person is going to be exactly where you thought they might be on the pitch because your analysis said that. This Ireland team is is proactive and and just really ambitious and I, and I love that identity. And, and with the 50-22 and Sexton, is the dice loaded for us? No. I thought they actually passed the ball back into their own half for that one yesterday where he, he kicks it. But yeah, someone like him is 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 brilliant, Addy. You saw um, some really good examples over the course of the Six Nations. The best one was Ty Burns, absolute 
punt of a left foot down the down mm. the sideline in, in France and again that just underlines how Ireland's players are multi-skilled and, and encouraged to actually go and, and identify that space and take it Sonny how are you enjoying your rugby these days how's 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 life in the rugby world for you? I, I'm still going. I'm still playing. Mm-hmm. I think people are trying to retire me. I'm not sure what these are. <laughs> I remember watching one of the games. I was just doing a bit of analysis from the November game. And I, we usually don't have the, the commentator's voice on. You know, We just have it on our clips. And mm-hmm. I, I remember listening to something and I was like, oh, oh you just made me play another campaign. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, no, it's going good. I'm um, really uh, grateful to to sign a short-term contract to Exeter um, to keep me ready and keep me playing. Great. Just finished our energy at AIL competition. Mm-hmm. Um, and congrats to Railway. They run, won that competition and they played against Black Rock in the final. Um, and so our comp- competition's finished and mm-hmm. just really grateful for that opportunity to be offered a contract at my age mm, great. Um, to a wonderful club, Exeter. Susie Appleby and, and um, Tony, the owner, and the whole squad have been fantastic Um I've been to visit the setup and, and things like that. It's super, super exciting. Um, semi-pro setup, so it's um, an environment that you know will, will push me to be the best that I can be at that moment, and just stay ready just in case. Brilliant! Yeah. Yeah. That's a fantastic That's... move. How do you kind of, I suppose, bounce back from obviously not being in the the Ireland squad, which is remains an ambition, I'm guessing, to 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 try and get back in there. Yeah, but you know, you know what? I genuinely, because um, I've been asked this question a few times, like during the week, and then just in general, you know, I I I genuinely like the girls in the squad they completely deserve their place in the the squad i'm so excited to watch them next week um in terms of like the bounce back if that's your question um look i, I just keep tripping away i've always i've always you know believed in what i can do i know what i can do i've still got more to learn and more to give but um i'm also i'm also i've always been like this the best 23 need to play for Ireland. the best 23 whether i'm in it or not need to go and perform the house down for Ireland and in this situation it, I'm not and that's okay if anything fair play to the girls mm-hmm. to have made that squad this is what it was all about I was I've always been like that mm-hmm. for a number of years I'm very grateful to have vice captain for the last few years and very you know thankful that this would have if you know whatever happens it would be my 10th year in the program um so look I, I, my, my attitude is that no joke get the best 23 out there I'll train the house down I know I will and you know I'll do whatever it takes because mm-hmm. that's my competitive elite athlete mentality um so I'll just stay ready just in case but at the same time man I cannot wait to support our girls in the RDS 26 mm. next Saturday absolutely that, same here that yeah. mindset is why I am on the couch judging people <laughs> rather than playing it's 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 an amazing mindset to hear what of last year like obviously disappointment hopefully now as we're going to discuss like a, a bright new dawn but but how did you kind of park the disappointment of last year as a squad collectively hmm. great question um we obviously had to come together we only had each other you know, it was only us that kind of felt the hurt and the pain of the qualifiers because we obviously had, had put an enormous amount of energy and effort and um, and pretty much everything. We put our lives, <laughs> everything into it. Mm. Um, everything in our lives was dominated by that for the last four years for some of us. And then obviously some girls had come in, which is brilliant. And then to not get it at the end, that's that's... The, the high stakes of high performance sport unfortunately mm-hmm. and uh you know it was uh pretty tough but uh we 
we got there, we, we came together, Kira Griffin, our captain, and our leadership group and peer group uh, came together and we did our own sort of, you know, internal sort of review and things like that. And we knew that we had November window and an opportunity for us to turn it around and perform for Ireland at home. And thankfully we got those two wins. We were able to send off uh, a few legends. Uh, Claire Malloy had finished up after the qualifiers. Um, Lindsay Peet also uh, announced her retirement recently and uh, Kira Griffin, we were able to send her off with, uh, you know, one hell of a last sort of final win and final performance for herself. So that certainly kind of proved to ourselves that, uh, yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we're better than we were at the qualifiers. Yeah, yeah. and we're, we're going to be looking ahead to the Women's Six Nations in part three. But at the moment, before we do that, we have to wrap up mm. the Guinness Six Nations for the men. And I believe Murray has prepared a team of the tournament. And apparently it's not just France. Um, it nearly so. is. It nearly <laughs> is. I'm ready for the backlash. Let me go through it. So Let's Hugo hear. Keenan's at 15. Damien Penno's 14. Fiku 13. Dante at 12. Villiers 11. I've gone for Johnny Sexton at 10. DuPont at 9. Um, Greg Aldrich at 8. Jalanche 7. Burn 6. Moved him out of the second row just to get him in there. Villemsa and Itoje in the second row. And I've gone Cyril Boy, Marchand and Tyg Furlong in the front row. So it's French and Irish dominated. Just mm. Itoje in there from mm. outside those two nations. I thought there was a bit of a gap between the two of those sides and, and everyone else. I'm questioning your, with your back rowers, what was it that some of the Irish guys didn't make it? Jalanch and Aldrid I just thought were so consistent like even the moment where they win the match or seal the match it's his kind of little break and offload his breakdown defensively was just awesome and Jalanch is kind of one of those glue players actually very like Josh van der Fleer mm. who obviously could have been in there he was outstanding and if you're picking a bench he's definitely in there but Jalanch just quietly allows others to be brilliant and I think that's what, what van der Fleer does I mean even at 10 you could have Entomac in there he was mm. similar-ish actually he's not the kind of superstar that DuPont is but he facilitates others in, in being brilliant so yeah and I've, I had to pick Ty Byrne the team because he's just such an X-factor player he, he changes games constantly so I slotted him into six where even still I think maybe with Ireland he could have a, a future play in there depending on how they pick their pack yeah that's, that's a great shout uh, my question my other question is around the centres Mm-hmm. What are your thought? What's your thought process with the centres that got them ahead of maybe a couple of other centres I have in mind? Ringrose would have been close, I think, yeah. for me. Fiku's their defensive captain. He comes up with massive moments defensively. He had that brilliant try against Scotland, wasn't it? Where he just goes out the, around the outside. And Dante, I thought, gave them the perfect blend to their backline. And, and I've kind of gone for a pairing there as much as individuals because he's direct. Mm. He can also play. He's got some sensational passing skills. As we saw in that Scotland game, one of those flick passes out the back was absolutely ridiculous. But I did think Gary Ringrose was really consistent. As you say, like to have Bundyaki, Ringrose and Henshaw is an unbelievable strength. No matter what combination you go with there, Ireland are going to be really strong. But I just thought the French centre, you could have picked a full French 15, if yeah. I'm being honest. Yeah. They, like, all of them were good. All yeah. of them played really well. And it's kind of worrying for the rest of the rugby world. They've got a home world cup to come. I like your team. I'm just going to ask you who your reserve nine is. Yeah, I, I actually was tempted to put Gibson Park there because oh, I thought yeah. he was really good for Ireland. DuPont yeah. obviously comes up with that big moment and he's just sensational mm-hmm. his defence was awesome I thought in this championship but uh, Gibson Park has really kind of changed how Ireland can play and the most exciting thing for me is 
like players are really on his wavelength more and more now he's still sometimes we were saying before came on a couple of steps ahead of people and and everyone's kind of learned to get on the same wavelength as him but you're seeing even Hugo Keenan uh, Hugo Keenan with the quick tap uh, score against England he just knew that Gibson Park was going to go and he's brilliant at exploring that short side he just bounces around the pitch like a like a touch rugby player and he's changed I suppose the the dynamic for Ireland there with Conor Murray adding off the bench every time he's come on yeah mm-hmm. it's a great dynamic isn't it and then you've got Casey you've got you've got the more players even mm-hmm. through the through the lines what I love about uh, Jam actually James Gibson Park is as he approaches the ball and he scans you'll see him turn and this is how good his vision is like a touchy um, and for anyone who doesn't know what touches it's kind of like a you touch you close to the ground quite often so he relatively is close to the ground mm-hmm. he's scanning this way and he'll pass this way all the time so he kind of scans knowing that just to mm. kind of that slight head moves the D a little bit and the inches <laughs> matter. So it seems to go like, goes like that. He'll hit the second guy off this pod. Yeah. So it's the second guy and gives them the space and time and the pass is accurate. And he's looked that way and the pass is accurate over here. Mm-hmm. And it gives him time to have a look if he wants to do the short pass that he's been so good at. And he'll, if it's tied for long or whatever. Mm-hmm. But just that detail, I think, is pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, yeah. So cool that he could be on your bench. Yeah. Am I missing anyone from the other nations? I'm trying to think who have been harsh on. There's no Welsh, no Scottish in there. Yeah, they weren't Ten great. French they weren't consistently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No Will Rowlands was good for Wales, I thought, in the second row. Yeah, Rowlands wasn't. But like. I thought Ireland and, and France had their own kind of top tier championship really mm-hmm. and Enough they had all the big performers oh, great stuff uh, we will be back after a short break where we will be looking forward to the start of the Women's Six Nations ahead of the kickoff next weekend The Front Row brought to you by The 42 in partnership with Guinness all right, next weekend, it's time for the start of the Women's Six Nations. And it's been a bit of a tumultuous time for the women's team recently. But can the Women's Six Nations mark the start of a new chapter for the team, Sene? Mm, tumultuous is a, is a good word. I like your vocabulary. Like, um, like, <laughs> I've been reading the dictionary. Um, first campaign of the year. First campaign of the new era. What an opportunity mm-hmm. to build on the last era and the last few years and to make everything worth it so it's actually i'm genuinely genuinely pretty pumped to to see our squad in action Mm -hmm. i know they've been working super hard Ema's not here because she's working super hard exactly. on the squad. <laughs> I'll call you Ema, don't worry um, um so it's uh yeah it's definitely a start of um uh, something that will build on what has been worked on in the past mm-hmm. um, but a, a wonderful opportunity for all the girls to kind of put that uh, on the pitch and on display for everyone definitely um, Murray for those who don't know what what exactly what kind of changes have been brought in what's 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 going to be different with the team from now on yeah so I suppose the starting point is what, what you mentioned it was is tumultuous and I also agree a fantastic word where <laughs> Ireland didn't qualify for the World Cup for the first time in, in forever really and it was obviously disappointing for as Senny went through um, and so that's kind of low point and now there's a new head coach with Greg McWilliams there's a new team manager with Gemma Crowley he's got Neve Briggs in as his assistant coach Dave Gannon coming in there there's going to be a new captain confirmed tomorrow I know Nicola Friday did the media last week and I'm not sure if that was a hint towards that um, and there's nine uncapped players in the in the squad lots of young players even a couple who got who got capped last year someone like Maeve O'Goleary came into the group obviously Baven Parsons and, and Dorothy Wall are still young enough in their international careers but making a massive impact so there's loads of renewal I suppose in the squad as well as having some experience there which is which is important and also it sounds like there's going to be a new style of play a, a new tactical approach under Greg McWilliams he talks a lot about speed of play tempo being able to have long ball in play passages and really fit players with 
with really good skill levels and I think that really suits Irish rugby we've spoken about it with the men's team that is the identity of, of Irish rugby we're never going to physically run over the top of people we don't have athletes like France like, like you mentioned Senna it, it feels like it's all suited to, to what we have here mm-hmm. oh absolutely I remember reminding the girls um one of the games for one of the games I was like man we literally you, you obviously are not born here but the athleticism is probably world-class athleticism is in the DNA like mm-hmm. literally this is exactly the style that um we're capable of and certainly you might have seen some glimpses from the energy AIL and a lot of the club teams and Greg was straight in you know in terms of you know making sure that that was the style across the country in terms of, you know, rural teams, um, some of the main teams to kind of uh, aspire towards. And mm-hmm. so that's pretty positive that within a short time, building on the work that players might have done under the other coaches and then work from the other coaches with the national team. And then up to now, it's just pretty promising to see that that level of um, footy was able to kind of be on show on that TG4 that time, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of the AI, the finals day that that could sort of mm-hmm. deliver like that so it's just more transferring that from a national perspective mm-hmm. yeah it was a brilliant advert for for the quality of rugby and, and hopefully a, an indicator of the style that's going to be played because it's going to be a big ch- challenge you know Irish rugby in the past has had real highs a Grand Slam a World Cup semi-final back in 2013-14 being competitive in other Six Nations championships but it's even more difficult these days because England and, and France have gone from strength to strength England have professionalism France have a really good resource they both have, have really strong leagues as well so they've made big strides and it'll be interesting I know the players are going to want to win straight away and, and win silverware that's how high performing athletes are but on the outside I think the rest of us probably have a journey to go on in terms of this is a, a longer term project it's a rebuild the, the goal is the next World Cup and being really competitive there and so there's all sorts of little steps along the way there's going to be a new international competition the WXV from, from next year onwards in the in the autumn window as well and, and qualifying into the top tier of that via the Six Nations is really important for, for Ireland so not just for Irish rugby but for, for the women's game in general it's a really exciting time of, of development and there's so many signs that it can just go to the next level, I think, Sonny. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And um, I know we sort of touched on the qualifiers. The good thing about that is that there will n- we don't need the qualifiers anymore. So that tournament's out of the way. Uh, this global comp will launch next year. Um, it's actually similar timing to the Men's World Cup, so we're just sort of finalising schedules on that. Um, and as you say, the <laughs> Six Nations is pretty important. The regional mm-hmm. competitions are pretty meaningful. Um, and it's structured in a way that... The women's game globally has the set calendar and mm-hmm. it's something that is a little bit more challenging to lock down from a men's perspective which is also another piece of work that we're doing with international rugby mm-hmm. players and world rugby but certainly from a women's global calendar the exciting thing is is you got your regional window which is this wonderful one of the best six nations goodness six nations uh-huh. um so the girls have an opportunity we have an opportunity to perform there mm-hmm. then you have a bit of a break the june window and the yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and we've got Wales up first mm. what are they like as a prospect oh I love playing Wales mm-hmm. um, and a lot of the girls will know that w- would know each other um, as mates as well um, they've gone pro as well so that they've got some uh, environments there that um, have enabled them to be high performance pretty much every day but similar to our girls you know it would have some of the sevens girls in their mm-hmm. environment for a number of years um, Wales um Wales are good. They've they've usually had um, they they've usually had you know pretty strong at the breakdown those sorts of things. Um, defensively, we used to we, we can we can catch them in certain mm-hmm. areas and 
the last time we did play them, um, we performed pretty pretty well. But I, I think it'll be a different type of Wales this game. It's a hard one to gauge. Like, mm. yeah, we just don't know what Ireland are, are going to produce. Um, I'm sure Emer would tell us it's going to be really good. Yeah. <laughs> she's at, at fullback again, or, or Greg McWilliams will be our enemy for not picking her. Yeah. Um, but it, it's fascinating to see how they how they pitch up. And I was wondering, from, from your point of view, like, who are you excited to see? Because it is a, a, a group of lots of young players. Oh yeah, uh, you talking about? Oh, I, I honestly, uh, there's so many girls I cannot wait. You to... have to mention Emer as well because she's gonna listen to this. So <laughs> um, she'll be filming. Definitely, definitely Emer, the Emerator, <laughs> definitely the Emerator. Um, um, she's super, and and the 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 great thing about Emer, obviously, she's one of the best under the high ball. She's one of the best in terms of um defensively at the back, and certainly uh, she can cover thirteen as well. So she's versatile from that perspective. Um. I'm looking forward to obviously the back rowers like you know Dorothy Wars and oh, the selection has to be made so I actually I'm, I'm not too sure but you mentioned Maeve O'Leary um wonderful personality you know she's she's an awesome person off the pitch too so um she's I know she's been going well a lot of the girls have been going well mm-hmm. centers um Michelle Claffey's been going super in the energy AIL and you got your there's quite a few in there you know Eve Higgins and Lucy Mulhills and you've got Inya Brune who can cover center too there's a number of mm-hmm. girls in there um, and then you, you out. I, it's, I'm actually just excited to <laughs> to see how the combinations work, mm-hmm. and to see how our, our, our out half, whoever selected, um, Stacey Flood's been going super as well. But whoever selected there, I'm just interested to see how they manage, and then how the second playmaker manages that as well. So they're just available as options, pretty mm-hmm. much like the men's. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. see how organised they are. So yeah. You can see that. Yeah, it sounds like it's a well, like you say, you don't know quite know what to expect, but it's an exciting time. There's a poten- there's a lot of potential for some exciting new players to, yeah. to make their name. But yeah, would we be considered favourites for this game against Wales, or is it just blank slate starting again? I think, given recent record, yeah, Ireland at home as as well is a, is a great chance to start. And if you're gonna set a a kind of realistic goal and winning your home games is always the place to start, isn't it? Going to France and going to England is going to be really challenging. And I know Sandy, that would excite you as a player. Um, but but winning those home games feels like something that maybe should be kind of a, a, a kind of starting point for this team. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you see what the men's like. You know, when they play at Aviva, it's like the 16th man. It's uh, mm-hmm. it's huge for mm-hmm. us. And we've we've won the last two games at the RDS. And the first two games, like that was a historic first game on the RDS. So you would want to keep that tradition. Yeah. The other great thing is having this tournament in its standalone window again this year. It, it, it changed that format last year. There was a slightly rejigged actual format of the competition, but now we're back to a traditional Six Nations in its own windows. We've just parked the men's Six Nations. This is the focus now for the next six or seven weeks, and it's going to be brilliant to have that attention and, and that focus, even some couple of new sponsors like TikTok getting involved. It adds to the energy of the, the whole competition. And I just can't wait to see how this Irish team starts out on, on the new journey. Yeah. And you mentioned TikTok as well. Are they still going to bring the ball on with the tiny car? That's the, the really important <laughs> question, though. Is this where you plug your TikTok account because you've got your dance moves? Uh, I've heard you analyze other people's dance moves as well, which has been brilliant. Um, I haven't started dancing yet. <laughs> <laughs> and I won't be. Right, well, I think that is all for this week's episode of The Front Row. Thanks very much to Senei Naobu for joining us and, as always, Murray Kinsella. Uh, thanks again to our sponsor, Guinness. And if you're not already subscribed to the show, make sure to click subscribe on your favourite podcast app. We will see you again next time. <laughs> <laughs>